Hey there, it's the real Jason Duncan. I've got a special announcement for you really quick. I am hosting the Exit Lifestyle Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. 2022. You don't want to miss it. Go to theexitlifestyle.com to learn more. You know, I see young people now, young people who work in hospitality, young people who are doing different things. Like there's loads of different ways to learn the skills to run a business. You know, you don't have to be born and just grow up in an entrepreneurial family. Like I think one of the most amazing people who are um, entrepreneurial are, are farmers, actually, because I mean, that's a very tough job 24 seven, you know, work ethic I, I even think and I'm not I mean I have amazing young people who work for me but you know the way young people work today would be very different to the way people had to work 50 years ago um you know and, and it is hard work running a business so even you know as a teenager getting a job um the skills you have to you know dealing with the public working as part of a team so there's lots of different ways that you can learn you know you don't learn this stuff all overnight there's lots of different parts to it so you know that's all i would say to you know people who are starting out or, or certainly younger people who might listen to your your podcast as well In today's ultra-competitive business world being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to the Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Well, welcome back to the Root of All Success. I'm the real Jason Duncan, and I've got a treat for you today. We're going to be talking with Kara Macklin all the way from Belfast, Ireland. And uh, we got introduced through a network that both of us belong to. And uh, it's, it's going to be a fascinating conversation. She's going to tell her story about how she grew up in an entrepreneurial family where parent, her parents were running very successful companies. And to her, it was absolutely normal to sit around the dinner table and talk about entrepreneurship and business ownership and marketing and sales and profitability. And she just grew up in that environment, which led her at age 15 to start her first company with her brother and go through what that looked like starting a company. And it's a great story about how she and her brother had competition from two good looking girls who tried to steal all their business. And there's going to be a great story about that. So you want to listen to that, stay tuned to that, uh, listen to that story. But then she went to university, spent years in uh, her years in university, went back to work with the family business. And at 24 years old, was put in charge of a huge division of people and grew it for, to over 600 employees. And so she learned entrepreneurialism from a young age, experienced it after university, after college, and then went on after 15 years of spending time in the family business, going out and absolutely starting a phenomenal coaching business called Karam, C-A-R-A-M, kind of like her name, Karam Macklin. And she's going to talk a little bit about what that business does and how she helps uh, growth stage entrepreneurial companies. She doesn't work with startups, but growth stage entrepreneurial companies absolutely grow their business in strategic and innovative ways that help them make more impact. 
before we get into the show, before I introduce her and let her come on and start talking about, I want to remind you that if you are interested in subscribing to the show, if you just stumbled upon it, please go subscribe. We're we're uh, we're syndicated on on C-Suite Radio Network, as you heard at the very beginning of the show. We're syndicated there. We're on every podcast player. I would really appreciate it if you would hit the subscribe button and leave a five star review because. Those reviews help help this show get in front of more people, more people listen to it, and then we get to make an impact around the world, which is what I want to do with the show. I want to show people just like you how to unlock your success as an entrepreneur. So please go subscribe on whatever podcast player. And if you don't watch this on YouTube or C-Suite TV, you really should go look that up. Go to youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan. And you can see not only the show, but all my video content that I publish on a regular basis, but you can go watch the show. So you can actually see my guest. You can see us talking. I'm actually recording this from my home studio here in Gallatin, Tennessee, just north of Nashville today. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Without any further ado, let me introduce and welcome Kara Macklin. Well, Kara, it is so good to have you on the show all the way from Belfast, Ireland. So thankful that you're here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. It's great to see you again. (laughs) It's good to see you too. And uh, I I know that my listeners are going to really love your accent. I was actually telling my wife before I got on the uh, uh, start of the show this morning and said, hey, I'm interviewing a lady from Ireland today. You just want to sit in there and listen to her accent. <laughs> I hope they listen to the words we say as well as the accent, but um, I'm delighted the accent helps. Yes. Well, I think that I think it's the same thing, too. I, I, I often talk to people from other countries and they are, as I think, enamored with my American Southern American accent as much as we are enamored with the English or Irish or Australian or whatever it happens to be the different accents but but accents aside I think somehow you and I got introduced to one another across the across the ocean and uh, I was intrigued by your story and thought well you know you would be an interesting person to talk to about your journey to success as an entrepreneur so today that's what we're going to talk about let's do this I want to start with asking you how you got your entrepreneurial beginning, because every every entrepreneur has a start. Some people don't start until much later in life. Some people start very early in life. So when did you, Kara, start as an entrepreneur? Yes, so I grew up in a family business, um, two parents who, my mother was a teacher actually, and, and my father was a joiner, and they started businesses in the 70s in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Um, so it was an interesting time to start any business. And I suppose I always thought that every house was just like ours, that you talked about business around the table. And um, so I never knew anything else. And, and I remember at school at eight years old being asked, what did I want to do when I grew up? And, and I said, oh, well, I want to own Tammy Girl. And that was a teenage fashion store in the UK at the time. And that really wasn't what most country Northern Irish girls were saying, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and then I went on, I, I had my first business at 15. Um, so I suppose you could say it's it's in the blood. Wow. So at, at eight years old, you're sitting around the table, you're used to your parents talking about entrepreneurial things, owning businesses. What do you want to do when you grow up? You wanted to own a store. And then at 15, uh, you start you start your entrepreneurial journey with your first business. What was that first business at 15? So my brother and I, we well, we grew up in the countryside in Northern Ireland. So at that age, the only way to get out socialising, we don't learn to drive until we're 17 here. Um, so 
you need to get out. Um, so we decided to start a business of doing buses to local nightclubs. Um, so we used to, so the bus cost us, um, I think it was a hundred pounds for the bus. There was 52 seats on the bus. So him and I had needed a seat, obviously. So the other 50 seats we charged five pound each for. So we were making 150 pound profits um, again, 25 years ago. Um, and hopefully there's no tax people listening to this, but you can appreciate we weren't paying tax either at that age. So that was quite a nice mm -hmm. bit of pocket money every, every few weeks. That's interesting. So how old, uh, how is your brother older or younger? He's just one year older than me. Um, and actually our first lesson happened then because about six months into doing that business, we had competitors. So two very good looking girls in, in my year in school decided to do the same. My brother was the year older than me in school. So all the guys from our bus went onto their bus because they're good looking girls. And we'd already paid the deposit for our bus. So we were thinking, okay, we need to get like, how do we get them back? So we contacted the nightclub and they gave us free drinks vouchers and free discount to get everyone in. Um, so then we had like five pound bus um, worth 10 pounds. So we had a poster made 10 pound and scored it out and wrote five pound on it. Um, so then we got everybody back onto our bus and the competitors then had to um, stop what they were doing. And, and one of them actually is a best friend of mine now. So we joke about it that I put her out of business at, at 15. <laughs> so, so as they say, sex sells. And so you had these pretty, pretty girls that were trying to, to hone in on your business, but your savvy entrepreneurial skills won the day because money sells too. So if you can save some money, provide a good or equivalent service at a lesser price, it doesn't matter how pretty the people are providing it. They're, they're, you're probably going to have a good shot at winning that business back. And you did, and you put them out of business. So your friends, Friends with one of those girls today? Yeah, she's one of my best friends now. I'm her her son's godmother, so it didn't impact our friendship, but, but we do joke about it. Does she actually, uh, she, she pursue entrepreneurialism too, or was that it for she her? She didn't know. She's an accountant, so again, she jokes about that, that uh, she's not sure the world of entrepreneurship is for her anyway. She's too safe, maybe, in how she does things, so. <laughs> so that's funny. So you not only... Uh, you started a business, had competition that you thought was going to be a tremendous threat, made you pivot a little bit, change things. And uh, not only did you put them out of business, you put her out of entrepreneurial business. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's great. What, what's her name? Linda. Linda. So Linda is a, an important part of your journey as someone who uh, inspired you to do things a little different. And it's cool that you're her, her son's godmother and that you're, you're still friends to this day. So that doesn't often happen in entrepreneurial uh, competition. Well, after the uh, bus tours or not the tours, but the transportation of the nightclubs, uh, how, how, what did you do next? What was your next big entrepreneurial journey? Um, so I did the usual, you know, went to university or college, as you would say, did business studies. Um, at that time, then I went to work in London for a year. So I worked in the food trend studio in Marks and Spencers. That's a big retailer in the UK. Um, and that's when I really learned, you know, a lot more sophisticated version of, you know, what you would call innovation and disruption. So I was at the start of the process of, of trends and um, really getting to see how a big retailer did it. So that was a phenomenal experience for me, you know, at a very young age. Um, and also, I mean, my parents were very good at, you know, a very high quality and exceptional customer service. 
Um, and that again was reinforced when I worked in Marks and Spencer. So for me, that's one of the most important things in any business is, is the quality of what you do. And even, you know, people talk about global businesses and you keep, you know, different customers all the time, but you know, the world is getting smaller and smaller. Um, so, you know, that's one thing I would say is never cut corners. Um, and then after that, I came back um, into the family business as a, as a director. So my first role then at, at 24, um, I was managing a care home of 120 staff, um, again, which I thought was quite normal. Um, but I've now learned as I am on podcasts and talk to other business leaders across the world, they say to me, no, that's not really normal, Cara, at that age. Um, but it, I suppose it was normal to me. And what was your family business? What was it that mom and dad were doing when you got involved at age 24 to, to manage a department or group of people? What, what was their business? So they have a number of different businesses. They have elderly care homes, um, a number of them. They have a four-star hotel and five-star apartments with that. And then we have property. Um, I have my own property business as well. Um, but there's you know quite a bit of property attached to the, the businesses as well. So they have been doing, is, is that what they were doing all the way back from when you were a child, eight years old, sitting around the dinner table? They, they've been doing those same businesses those, this whole time? Yes, they started with care homes and then they seen a gap in the market when, you know, coming near the end of the troubles in Northern Ireland for, you know, hotels to evolve. And, and you know, obviously then we had a lot of tourists came here. So then they created a very different model. Um, in hospitality and tourism in Belfast and, and then apartments and, and evolved that industry as well. So both both sides of the business um, I grew up in. So how long did you work in the, in the business with your mom and dad? You know, you came back after university to work with them. How long were you actually working with them in their business or are you still working with them in their business? No, no, I left the business a number of years ago. So I was about 15 years. I took a few years out to do different things, but about 15 years um, in that business. And so now you are operating a business called Carum, and which is completely different. So tell, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, so one of the things, I mean, I obviously, hospitality is a very, you know, fast paced industry. So I was used to that kind of environment my whole life. Um, and I, I suppose very early on, I, I got a lot of, you know, university of life stuff in terms of business and cash flow and how you grow a business I mean when I was in that business we would have grown it from 200 employees to over 700 and we you know we had eight businesses you know huge turnover so you know going through the growing pains of, of growing any business and, and very people focused which you know I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs now and, and that's still the biggest challenge in any business is the people side um so doing that I, I just had this feeling that you know entrepreneurs of the future are going to have to lead very differently um, the whole environment is very different you know I use the analogy of Henry Ford entrepreneurs maybe in their 50s and 60s the, the way they succeeded was they got a good model they kept doing the same thing over and over again and the key was consistency um, that's not going to work anymore so actually the type of entrepreneur now um, and that's where the whole piece around you know innovation and, and training entrepreneurs both in their mindset and their skill set um, they're never going to know all the answers. Um, I have a huge um, drive in anything I do to have a massive impact um, on the people I work with and ultimately on the world, to be honest, and whether it's local communities or so one of the things I did in the business um, was created a new concept, which we'll probably talk about. Um, but I just felt that I 
I had the skill set from an entrepreneur and then I trained as a coach professionally from a mindset point of view that I could help entrepreneurs who really, really wanted to have an impact. Um, and if I could, the more of them I could help, the more impact I could have in the world. So I suppose that was the big driver um, rather than me just doing it on my own. So you created something, I think you refer to it as the innovative, innovative scaling system. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so again, it's just gone back to, you know, everything that I do in it is what I have done myself in terms of our own business. It's, you know, sometimes people refer to me as a coach or a mentor or a consultant and entrepreneurs don't like those terms. Um, and I probably don't either. Um, I'm an entrepreneur through and through. Um, I see a lot of entrepreneurs who they want someone who has been there and done it. They don't want it taught out of a book or, you know, it's not a corporate world. So, you know, that was the important bit for me. And um, and bringing in just what I felt, you know, future leaders are going to need, um, which which I think is very different. And and I say to people, I certainly didn't predict COVID happening um, at all, but I kind of got this sense four or five years ago, you know, things were just, well, we could see it anyway with technology. Things are just going to speed up more and more and more. And the people who are running these businesses need a very different skill set to what even they needed five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, so that's why I set the business up. So when you uh, when you started your own entrepreneurial journey, so you had been working, of course, you, you started at 15 doing the buses and then you went to university and you came back and worked in the family businesses that had been part of your just natural growth uh, growing up as a girl. Now you're doing your own thing as an entrepreneur, as a coach, showing people, hey, this is what I did and my family did to scale businesses, to to push through uh, hard times and, and, and adapt well. What has been the biggest challenge for you in this latest venture of Karam, C-A-R-A-M, right? That's kind of That's a play right. on your yes. name, yes. Uh, yeah. Karam Macklin. So uh, what has been the biggest challenge for you in actually getting that business up and running and scaling on its own? Uh, like the way that you're trying to teach other people to do, what's been the biggest challenge for you? Yeah, so I would say, I mean, my expertise is not in startups. Um, so I don't work with startups for that reason, to be honest. Um, I certainly can give them a bit, bit of advice. But the hardest thing for me is I have a massive imagination. And, you know, a mentor once said to me, Cara, you don't want to learn to play golf. You know, you want to play golf in three months, play against Ray McElroy, who I don't know whether you know him, is one of the best golfers in the world, and you want to beat him first time round. And I said, yes, that's pretty much how I take on anything. Um, so starting from scratch, my biggest mistake, actually, I was talking about this this morning, was I didn't set the first small goal. You know, I had a goal of, yep, I'm going to work with these type of entrepreneurs, we're going to change the world, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And actually, the most important thing when you start anything you know it's like starting a car and pushing it up a hill is just get started and get a bit of momentum um so i need i needed to you know as well as i mean i'm massive one of my strap line is imagine more and i'm always saying that to entrepreneurs but actually that's what we're very good at but in reality we just need to come put our feet on the ground and think okay what are we going to do in the next three months six months when did you when did you realize that you're you had made that mistake of not setting that small goal first that your goals were too large and you hadn't set the small ones when did you realize that uh, I would say probably about three to four months into the business um, and what was the what was the tell how did you how did that become aware to you was it was it a coach was it somebody who said to you hey you didn't you didn't set the small goal first or did you was there an issue that made you realize it um, I suppose, well, I'm extremely impatient with achieving things. So 
I thought to myself, like, this is so far out and how do I know I'm getting there? You know, it's like running a marathon. Um, so I thought, actually, you need to, you know, come back a step. I, I say to everyone, people massively underestimate what they can achieve in the long term. But but I certainly do. And entrepreneurs are the worst. We massively overestimate what we can do in the short term. And I did as well. So, you know, when you have a few months of not hitting things, um, the reality kicks in and you think, OK, you know, I need to scale this back a bit initially. Um, and just get momentum and once I get a few goals and, and targets hit then this will will speed up a lot quicker I think that I think that if you don't mind I would like to dig into that a little bit because uh, the the show the root of all success here doesn't normally get into the weeds on tactics but I think your story and the fact that you have been very successful as a coach working with large-scale entrepreneurs to scale larger businesses not necessarily startup side I would like to dive into that a little bit, if, if we may, because I would like to know, uh, I think the listeners will will be able to see in your story, some similarities in their story. So what was it, what was the big goal that you set originally? And then you realize, okay, this is too, maybe not too big, but there's no steps in between where I am now and where that is. What was that goal versus what was the new goal that you said, okay, I got to hit this one first. Can you, can you share both sides of that and what that sure. looked like? Yeah. So my dream is to get 10 of the best entrepreneurs in the world together in a mastermind group. And the type of entrepreneurs I'm talking about, they'll be from 10 different industries um, because that's where you get new and fresh ideas from. They'll each one of them will bring a different expertise to the table of that. So one will be phenomenal in leadership. One will be phenomenal in marketing um so again that'll bring a dynamic but but what'll be central to all of them is this drive for more you know they'll be similar size they'll have um similar values and and they'll want to have a massive impact on on the world more than just financial but that you know that is an impact on the world in terms of jobs um so that was what i had in my mind so i thought okay my background's healthcare hospitality property um, but I don't want to stick in that niche. I want, you know, I had an idea of the different industries. So I went out to try and just get those people together. Um, now that was too far of a jump for me because pe- people can't understand. It's, it's, sorry, I don't feel it's too jump, far of a jump for me, but trying to market that and trying to get those people together and they couldn't really understand what I was trying to do. And I should have learned that actually from disrupting the healthcare industry. And it was one of the things I learned there. The hardest part is, you know, I've got something in my mind that's very clear. It's not clear to other people. And it takes a long time to try and help them understand what I'm trying to achieve. So actually what I needed to do then was think, okay, I need to start with the industries that I work in because that's going to be the easiest first step. So your big goal, so your big goal, if I can kind of clarify, your big goal was I want to start this mastermind. I want 10 of the most powerful entrepreneurs I can find in 10 separate and distinct industries so that we can make each other better and impact the world. That was the big goal. I like it. I like that a lot, by the way. And I think that uh, I think that people listening would go, yeah, that's cool. But but you had you didn't have enough traction. People didn't know who you were, didn't understand your vision, didn't know what it was. So you had to scale, not scale the goal back. The vision still remained the same, but your strategy to achieve it changed to, okay, I'm just going to work in the industries that I know and just get these people together. So did you actually start a mastermind uh, through with people in that industry or, or did you do something different to start? So I've started. Um, so the hardest part for me was the actual marketing online, because obviously COVID hit and we couldn't meet people. So when you meet people, it's a lot easier to convince them. So I had 
no expertise in global marketing on a, you know online. So we had to try and figure out how to do that. And again, you know, trying to talk to someone in America who's in manufacturing, you know, and I'm sitting in Belfast and my background's hospitality, and they're thinking, well, why is this person contacting me? Um, so that so we, you know, we rolled back and thought, okay, let's just target the type of people we want in healthcare first. Then let's work with a few of them and we'll start to see that'll start to open the network into different locations. And um, but actually, I mean, in terms of clients, like I'm working with education, I'm working with an energy um clients um a manufacturing client so um some of them are more local though um so it was you know trying to do global and a different industry um over social media in a global pandemic as a startup business was probably not going to be an easy challenge easy one to to get over so so covid like everybody else you you had to struggle through and adapt to what COVID was presenting, but you were successful and you, you st- continued to push through. Did uh, did you actually start a mastermind as you had intended, but you did it with different groups of people or did you do more one-on-one private coaching? Which which of those did you end up doing to begin with? So at the minute, I'm doing more one-on-one work. Um, I'm doing a big project with a client who's doing a complete innovation and transformation project. Um, so again, you know, that's a huge challenge for me. I, I get very frustrated because it, you know it's me at the minute I mean I have a team but but I'm delivering you know a lot of the work so when you have a company of six or seven hundred people you know it's very different that you can do lots of different things so um the mindset piece is very challenging when you want to do a lot of different things but then you know it's back to that okay well baby steps here the reality is there's only so many of you here and, and you can't do all of this in one go so you're going to have to you're going to have to pace this out um and entrepreneurs we do not like um slowing down or, or pacing things out and in, in my experience <laughs> I would agree and I think all the listeners who have been an entrepreneur for any amount of time would also know that that's true we you know the the coaching business that I had been coaching for years before I formalized a business uh, I'd been I'd owned my own companies and was coaching kind of on the side and but when I formalized it I had in my mind how fast I wanted to go and what I wanted to achieve and you're right it takes a lot longer uh, than you anticipate, especially starting a, a high quality coaching and consulting business like what you've done. So who, uh, one of the words that you talk about a lot is innovation. You've used that word a bunch. Uh, we've talked about your, your innovative scaling system. What does the word, what, what does the word innovation mean to you? And then why is it so important for entrepreneurs? We're going to take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Yes, I mean, in one hand, actually, I use it a lot. And in another hand, I hate the word because it's very overused. And um, and I think a lot of people think, you know, when you think of innovation, they think of Steve Jobs and, you know, creating the iPhone. And certainly he was extremely innovative. Um, but when I, you know, I talk to the entrepreneurs about more of having an innovative culture. And what I mean by that is a lot of entrepreneurs are very good at coming up with ideas. Um, what they struggle with, they can't bring that skill into the company so as the company starts to scale the ideas are all on them so every problem that happens people are going up the way to them to solve it um and there's a a system that i've created is how do you filter that down into the business you know people would have said to me oh like i'm sure when you're growing your business like you're getting hundreds of emails all the time your team are coming to you all the time with problems and that's when i realized that i obviously was doing something right because because that never happened to me 
you know, so there's a way that you can create the right environment, the right leadership, the right things. And some of the best ideas in the businesses I've had have come from the people on the ground. Um, but that's very much, you know, built into the whole culture of the organization. It's not a let's go off and have a, an innovation day and everybody's going to come up with great ideas. It's, you know, and it's not innovation in the sense of creating an iPhone. To me, innovation is about there is always problems. There's always the next thing. There's always disruption in the market. So you need everybody in the organization to be constantly thinking of, OK, what's next? What are we doing after this? What can we be better at? Um, so that's, you know, that's the system I use as opposed to um, this glorified word of innovation, which is probably used too much. <laughs> well, I think that uh, I would agree with you. I think that the thing that distinguishes an entrepreneur from a business owner, because I think they're they're sometimes the same person, but a lot of times they're different, is that entrepreneurs are innovators and they take risk, where business owners pretty much work inside an established system and don't have to take on as much risk. So for an entrepreneur to be truly successful as an, as such, he or she has got to be innovative, but it's not, I like what you said. It's not just about coming up with a new idea. It's being able to execute it. And then what's next it's moving to that next thing all the time. It's growth. Um, one of the things, if you don't mind, I want to kind of shift gears just a little bit. One of the things that I talk about on the show a lot are these keys to success. Um, I actually started the show back originally when I, when I came up with the concept um, I've been wanting to write a book for a very long time about the five keys to success. And that came out of me just interviewing people like you that were super successful entrepreneurs and, and say, how did you do it? What did you do? And I found that these five things came up all the time. So I originally wanted to sit down and write a book and I've actually got an ebook uh, called the five keys to success, but, but I, eventually it'll be a published printed book. But in the meantime, I thought, well, I want to have a podcast where I explore these five keys with people like you, Kara. So I, what I'd like to do is kind of talk about what those are and get your responses, because not only do you have, uh, I think, some insight and in how these keys have played out in your life as an entrepreneur and in your parents' lives, lives as entrepreneurs, but also now as a coach, you're working with not startup entrepreneurs, you're working with multi-million dollar companies that are entrepreneurial. And I would like to see what you think about these five keys. Can we do that? Yes, that's great. Yeah. All right. So the first key that I talk about and that I've discovered through conversations is the key of passion and passion unlocks uh, probably more than anything else unlocks entrepreneurial success, but it's not the way most people think about it. And uh, I know that listeners to my show are very uh, familiar with me talking about that there are two sides of passion. There's the intellectual and the emotional side of passion. But most people only think about the emotional side of passion. They don't they think about it in terms of I'm doing something I love to do. Like, I, for instance, personally, I love motorcycles. I love cars. I'm, a, I'm, I'm I love that stuff. But but that's the emotional side. The other side of passion, which is actually what the word means, is the intellectual side of passion, which is making a conscious decision to endure for a cause. So, for example, the passion of the Christ, which is the phraseology we use to talk about Jesus's last week on earth before he was crucified. We call that the passion of the Christ. And that was purely the intellectual passion of being willing to endure for something. And I found that entrepreneurs, in order to be successful, have to have that type of passion. Whether or not they're emotionally connected to their businesses is one thing, and that's contributing. That's a help. But that isn't the key to success. The key, I think, and based on everybody I've talked to, is that they have to be willing to endure for their thing. So, Kara, in your life as an entrepreneur, 
what have you seen that substantiates my, my theory that passion is probably one of the most important keys? Yes, no, I mean, I love, I hadn't ever heard of it phrased the way you phrased it, and I love that. Um, I think I heard a saying recently where um, a very famous investor, and I can't think of his name right now, you know, kind of jokes about, oh, everybody has to have passion when they're an entrepreneur for what they do. And he said, well, that's rubbish. Actually, you need to make profit and, and money and solve a problem first and foremost. Um, and that really got me thinking, which ties in now to what you're saying. Yeah. I think um, people confuse passion with you have to love it and enjoy it. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, they start something on something they love. And that's okay. You know, if you're a motorcycle fan and you want to open a motorcycle shop and, and it, that's a lifestyle business and then you can make some money at it, fine. Um, if you want to have a global business and there's not people all over the world are going to buy it. Um, you know, so that passion is very different depending on the type of business you want to, to open. Um, but yes, definitely the intellectual passion. I, I agree that um, and disagree with the passion, but I, I don't think you can hate what you do as an entrepreneur. You know, I'm not saying you need to absolutely love it and, you know, like you with the motorcycles, but, but I don't think you could do something that you really, really hate it. Um, so that would be a starting point. But then, yes, you know, you have to, there has to be, you know, people talk about, is it a higher purpose? You know, the intellectual passion, there has to be something that keeps pulling you forward and, and driving you because, I mean, there are serious, serious knocks and, you know, 95% of the world will tell you not to do it. So that's one hell of a tidal wave because 95% of the world don't have the courage to do it themselves. Um, so you need to have a very strong um, insight. Um, and I'm, I'm going to steal that intellectual passion um, for sure. Well, I, I, and it really boils down to that ability or desire or willingness to endure or even suffer for the thing that you're building. So for instance, you were starting, uh, you know, building a coaching business and then uh, an international pandemic slows down the ability to connect with people and meet with people. And have you had you not been passionate about that as a as a as a concept, you wouldn't have endured through that. You might have gone off and done something completely different. But you had the ability and desire to endure, just like I have done. I endured. I endured a partner separation that just about bankrupted me and closed the business. I've endured years of uh, not making. Uh, really very much money just to build the business so that I could get to a place where I could be successful. So I think, I think one of the indisputable keys to our, everyone's success as an entrepreneur is that passion. And I agree with you. You can't be successful in something you hate. Uh, it is not likely that you're going to succeed. So if you hate something, uh, but you don't have to absolutely be overjoyed at the fact that yes. you're doing something you love, you know, I would love to, if I could figure out how to make uh, a global impact through owning a motorcycle shop, I would do it. <laughs> but what, you know, what's funny that you mentioned that is that uh, just recently, uh, over this past year, I have been pursuing uh, buying a motorcycle dealership. And um, I really, really wanted to do it. It was more of a lifestyle thing for me. I knew, you know, it was going to limit my time because I was going to have to be involved in the shop for a while, at least to get it kind of organized. But at the end of the day, um, the finances didn't make sense and it was going to slow me down and building my other businesses that I own. So even though I was emotionally passionate about it, I decided I wasn't willing to endure for it. So there's there's a, a good thing. Now, so the second key, Kara, uh, is not only is passion, but the second key is being at the right place at the right time. 
And I, I would say that uh, based on the story that you shared about your journey, I'm going to make some assumptions and you can correct me. And then you can talk about how it also plays into the lives of the people that you work with is that being at the right place at the right time is not about luck. It's about putting yourself in the right place at the time, at the right time or and or uh, observing where you are in the world and what timing you're dealing with and then making the most of it. So you mentioned uh, the troubles in Northern Ireland in the 70s and how your parents looked at the opportunity. Hey, hospitality, hotels, these things are going to be a big opportunity. And that's why they moved into that air arena, which led them to be uh, tremendously successful, which eventually led you to be successful. What do you think about how right place, right time plays into our ability to succeed as entrepreneurs? I mean, it, it massively does. I mean, I would say there's two sides to that coin. And every entrepreneur, if they're being completely honest, there is a bit of luck in it. You know, Steve Jobs talks about this in terms of when he was alive and Microsoft and that whole um, where they grew up and there was a lot of them near Silicon Valley and, and, and the time. And so, you know, be under no illusion, there is luck for everybody, but, you know, it's back to the other side of it. You make your own luck um, and, you know, you look at opportunities, you look at industries, you look at timing, you know, how your people behaving. Um, you know, so for example, for me, um, in terms of the business I'm now doing, I just believe, you know, my mostly um, entrepreneurs in their 30s and 40s, I just knew and felt that they would have a different mindset. They're more open. You know, people in their 60s couldn't have asked for help years ago. As, a, as the owner and entrepreneur of a business, it just wouldn't have worked. Um, they might've had accountants or advisors in the background who give them financial advice, but in terms of what I do now that, you know, it, it just wouldn't happen. So, you know, you have to tie in with no matter what idea you have, like you're, you have to go with the wave. Um, you know, the, the disruption I did in elderly care, um, again, that was timing. Um, I'd seen it happening in the States. I then seen it happening in the UK. Um, and, and the wave was, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to be the first to bring the wave here. So, you know, looking across the world, looking at different industries, that's what I say when, you know, things that happen in other places, you can never directly replicate it in your local town or village, but but you can take some things from it and think, okay, well, that's happening in there. There's a chance that there's similarities there with us. And that's how things are going to play out here. Yeah, I think that what you're, what you're talking about there, Kara, is uh, a key character trait and uh, personality trait of a of an of a successful entrepreneur is being observant it's paying attention understanding what's going on and being prepared i think if you think back to the industrial revolution and the uh, people who were able to capitalize on the industrial revolution is they were right place right time but but that but they paid attention and capitalized on it they didn't, didn't walk into and just step into uh, building a factory and all of a sudden ooh, they're very successful. They, they understood where, Hey, we're moving in a certain way. Uh, technology and industry is working in a certain direction. So just like your parents and like you guys have done, you saw trends in industries that were coming and you took advantage of that. So I think that is a very good explanation of right place, right time. And entrepreneurs can, who are paying attention to that can use that to unlock their own success. The third key to success is knowing the right people. I, I find that every entrepreneur I talk to, whether it's on this show or casually over a bourbon or whatever, I talk to them about the fact that you, you've got somebody or bodies, some bodies or bodies, you know, individual or groups of people that you can point to and say, had it not been for him or her or them, 
I wouldn't be successful today. So I want to ask you, do you have people like that in your life that you would be willing to talk about? And then can you substantiate that theory in the lives of the entrepreneurs that you assist and go, yeah, had that person not been in their life, they wouldn't have been able to do these things. What do you think? Oh, I mean, phenomenally, you know, I, I did an MBA and you'll probably know a lot of people who do MBAs are generally finance people and, you know, big corporations. And, and one of the first things I said to them all was business is all about people. And they said, oh, here goes Miss HR, like healthcare, soft, fluffy, which they didn't realize I wasn't. Um, but, you know, it's, it is all about people. And it's, you know, I think people overcomplicate it. It's building relationships. It's, getting to know people on a personal level. It's, you know, helping people out when you can. I think social media has glorified it into this mass market. I mean, you can't build a relationship with 15,000 people properly. Um, but without a doubt, I mean, I could tell you dozens and dozens of people, I mean, any of them, I can give you specifics on that there is no way I would have achieved what I've achieved without them, um, both from either their network or, you know, someone just phoning me and saying, I mean, it was actually a... Um, a mentor of mine who was in technology um, who I met randomly and, and he was the one that sowed the seed for the disruption I did in the care market and that like he that's not his business at all and he said oh well I I just see this and this and this and I think you could be the right person to kind of disrupt this industry um, and then along the way actually whenever I had you know dozens of people saying it wouldn't work and millions of pounds invested in it and he would have said to me look you know you're on to the right thing here you just need to stick at this um, so you do need that little voice you know you said earlier on about you know the passion and yes we all have to have the passion but I don't know about you but certainly me and the entrepreneurs I work with there are days that you do want to give up there are days where you think my god I just can't go on and it's those people um that really have the belief in you and it doesn't take very much and then up up again you go um and on to the next thing yeah well I, I look I think about your story too about how influential uh, your parents were in your success because it was normal for you to know entrepreneurship. Um, my kids are, are, are adults now, um, young adults, but I wasn't an entrepreneur until I didn't start my entrepreneurial journey until they were, I think, uh, 11, 12, you know, somewhere around there. So they, the first decade of their life, they weren't, they weren't indoctrinated in entrepreneurship like you were. Uh, so they didn't get to see it because I was a pastor for a while. Then I was a school teacher for a while. Then I became an accidental entrepreneur. So I think your parents for you are very instrumental. Your brother, I think also because of you guys doing that thing early on. And then Linda, you know, think about Linda challenging you to have to make a, a uh, change in your marketing plan. Um, I imagine if Linda hadn't done what she did, if she didn't live there and you, you, you would have just continued to run the bus thing and you'd never would have got that lesson about how to work with the work with the nightclubs to get the discounts and to get the tickets. You weren't forced to make those changes. So I guess what I would want to say there to people that are listening is that to remember that it's not just the good people in your life that are keys to your success. It's also negative influences. It's people that Definitely. challenge you and do bad things. I, I mean, I can think about without getting too personal, some people in my life that have been um, some of the biggest uh, problems in my life or have caused major issues in my life. But I look back to them and say, you know, I thank God for those people because had they not been there, I wouldn't have learned those lessons that now make me the super successful entrepreneur that I am today. Yeah. And one thing I would want to say, yes, certainly. I mean, I grew up in a family business, so you could argue I had a massive head start, but 
you know, I see young people now, young people who work in hospitality, young people who are doing different things. Like there's loads of different ways to learn the skills to run a business. You know, you don't have to be born and just grow up in an entrepreneurial family. Like I think one of the most amazing people who are um, entrepreneurial are, are farmers, actually, because, I mean, that's a very tough job. 24-7, you know, work ethic. I, I even think, and I'm not, I mean, I have amazing young people who work for me, but you know, the way young people work today would be very different to the way people had to work 50 years ago. Um, you know, and, and it is hard work running a business. So even, you know, as a teenager getting a job, um, the skills you have to, you know, dealing with the public, working as part of a team. So there's lots of different ways that you can learn. You know, you don't learn this stuff all overnight. There's lots of different parts to it. So, you know, that's all I would say to, you know, people who are starting out or, or certainly younger people who might listen to your, your podcast as well. Yeah, I agree. There's, uh, one of the things that I coach my clients on is that you can get direct mentoring, direct coaching, where you hire a coach and you work directly with them, but you can also get indirect coaching, indirect mentorship through reading books, listening to podcasts, watching videos, joining coaching groups, uh, where you're not having direct access to the coach or the mentor or the advisor, but you're getting indirect. So there's no excuse, really. You, you've you got access. Are you going to take advantage of that? The last uh, the last two keys, I'll group, group these together. So we've talked about passion. We've talked about being in the right place at the right time. We've talked about knowing the right people. Those are all, um, I think, the three primary keys to success. And that if you use those keys, you can unlock success as an entrepreneur, as you have done and as I have done and countless dozens of others have done that you and I both know. But the last two keys that I discovered as I was interviewing people about their how they achieved success are preparation and plan. So the fourth key of preparation is do you have the know-how to pull it off? And I think in your story, it's illustrated that you were you your preparation began as a as a toddler, as a child, uh, sitting around the dinner table talking about entrepreneurship, being involved in hospitality, watching how that was going, and your preparation and doing the buses when you were a teenager. How that that prepared you. You couldn't have been successful as you are today had you not been prepared for it. For example, you couldn't have gone off and started. A, a biotech firm with the preparation you had because that, that, that the preparation you had didn't prepare you for that type of success. So that's what I mean by preparation as a key to success. And I'd be interested to hear your perspective on that. But, but before I give, uh, give you back the time to talk about it, the fifth key is plan. And that is, do you have a plan to pull off what you're going to succeed at and, and specifically money? Like, do you have the financial plan to make this happen? Because it takes financial resources to be successful. So what do you think, Kara, uh, about preparation and plan as keys to your success and keys to other entrepreneurs' success? Yes, I mean, hugely important. I mean, I think I always say every strength has a dark side. Um, entrepreneurs' biggest strength is our fearlessness. and um, We take on anything. The next new biggest challenge, we'll take it on. So we... In some ways, we don't feel we need to be prepared. Um, you know, once we get into it, we'll figure it out. And I think that that is a massive asset we have. You know, that's what disrupts industries. You want someone who doesn't have the expertise in the industry. But, you know, it, there's a leap too far. Um, you know, I had a guy who spoke to me recently and, and had a lot of money, actually. Um, and he wanted to go into buying care homes and running them. Um, or getting other people to run them for him. Now, he had no expertise in finance, no expertise in investment, no experience in nursing homes, no, like, nothing. And I'm thinking, my good, no experience in running a business, 
And all I could see was this guy with lots of money and it was just like lottery actually. And it was just casino table stuff. You know, so I just asked him a few questions because I didn't I didn't want to say no because I'm definitely not the person who tells anyone no. Um, I'm the polar opposite. And then after you know a few things, he said, Oh, actually, what I think I should do now is I should go and spend time with this person, I should go and work with this person, I should go and um so yes, I mean it's all about, you know. Again, back to my MBA, I was joking with the guys who were investors in my class and stocks and shares, which isn't for me. And I said, oh, that's just like playing roulette. And they said, well, Carousel was opening a business. And actually, they were right. I didn't see it that way because I was certain it would work. Um, and I suppose, as you say, I had you know expertise in certain areas. Um, don't go in blind is all I would say. And certainly don't go in blind with a huge amount of money if you don't know what you're doing um, yeah. on, on that front. So talking about the money, what, what do you think about the plan? Like, how is that a key to success? Knowing how you're going to deploy financial resources to be successful. How do you see that as playing into someone's ability to succeed? Uh, massively. Um, I mean, I, I suppose I grew up the old fashioned way in that you don't spend it until you have it. Um, you know, it was, you know, Northern Ireland is not a big country. Um, and then I start to hear figures and investment in companies and, and some guys I know I say, and, and what's the plan for this money to be paid back? Um, and they they can't, they say to me, will you come and sit on our board? Because it's just like the next A round, B round, this series of funding. Um, that's not how I'm built. Um, so I, I'm not saying you do have to invest in a business and spend more. Um, but I just think, you know, we have to be very, very careful. A business is set up, you know, to make an impact, but ultimately to make profit um in my view um so you know cash flow is very important at the beginning um massively we again entrepreneurs we're rose tinted glasses so we massively overestimate what we think we can achieve um well people i work with i say okay give me a projection and then cut it in half and increase your costs because things will go wrong and if you still have a buffer well you're probably okay then um so that's just good old-fashioned um stuff i'm not sure everybody would agree with me on that but that's how i do well cash flow you mentioned that a couple of times in our conversation today Kara. that cash flow is so very important and cash flow is king if you want to be successful you've got to figure out cash flow and uh cash flow is the difference between what comes in and what goes out and you know that what you get to keep in between is cash flow and there are going to be times in, in many businesses lives where early on the cash flow is negative. You've got more money going out than it's coming in, and that's just part of the growth process. But if that can't be flipped in short order, your plan has to be, uh, you've got to come up with a different plan because you can't succeed without cash flow. Um, you know, I, I, I think that we hear stories about wildly successful, huge Fortune 5 companies that are uh, that are that are break even or losing money. Well, the well, we all know that they could show a loss but still have cash flow. <laughs> and and I don't think people, the average person, understands that it's not about the bottom line of the profit and loss as much as it is about cash flow. Are we able to have money in between to pay for the things that we need? So, to review these five keys of passion and be at the right place at the right time and knowing the right people, being prepared and having a good plan. I think that your experience individually as a, as a human entrepreneur, you've experienced those five keys and use those keys to unlock success. And I think you've illustrated that other people who are listening to the show can, if you, if they use those keys, they can unlock success for themselves. They've got to tap into what they're willing to endure for 
are they paying attention to the time that they're, you know, what's going on around them and the time and place that they are? Are they putting themselves in place to get to be successful? Are they are they rubbing elbows with people like you uh, to help get them to a greater level of success? And do they are, what do they know? What are they, what are they prepared to be successful at? And then what's their plan to deploy resources? So if you were talking to a person today, and I'm going to give you the chance to talk directly to this person. So if you were talking to a person who's listening to the show, Kara, that they've not started yet. And I know you admitted early on that startups kind of not your thing. You're more on the large scale business growth stage companies. But if you were talking to that startup person and you wanted to give them advice based on your experience as a coach and as an entrepreneur, what would you say to him or her? Um, well, I, I'd probably, you know, first find out a bit about what their business is. Um, I would ask them, have they tested it? And is there a problem? And are people willing to pay for it? Um, and then I would, you know, challenge their endurance and that intellectual passion, as you said, because if you have those two things, um, you're going to go very far. And I think you you also could probably give them a piece of advice going back to our conversation earlier about your goal setting, just like what you did. Yeah. You, you yeah. made that mistake of setting a, a really great goal, which was a really big goal, which is fine. But there's got to, you, you can't climb a ladder with three foot rungs. You've got to make sure that they're they're so, they're close enough that you can step on the first one before you get to the second to third. Yes. And I think that's a that was great advice early on in our conversation about you experience setting the goal too high and had to scale it back so that you could you could actually succeed in that. So, um, Kara, this has been this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to give you a couple of uh, a minute or so to kind of explain to the listeners how they could get in touch with you, because I think you're a very fascinating lady. You've been very successful at many different things. And there may be some people that want to get in touch. So how would they get in touch with you? Um, well, there's a couple of different ways. So first, you can find me on LinkedIn. So as you've said, it's Cara Macklin. Um, my website is Karam, C-A-R-A-M.org.uk. And one of the things I do actually with my team every month is we offer a complimentary growth call um, from our podcast. So people apply for it and we, we choose the person that we feel we can help the most. Um, so that's on my website. So if you go to karam.org.uk forward slash leadership dash growth dash call forward slash book, but I'll, I'll send you the link so you can put it in the um in the podcast so that and that is you know some people I don't do uh sales calls with people um my business comes from people who know me and, and whatnot and that that is genuinely a a call to help someone who you know is at a point where they want to you know grow to the next level and there's something either something in the business or something in their own leadership or their own mindset thank you for listening to another edition of the root of all success with the real jason duncan if you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>